Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts this week. We watched Call Me By Your Name, directed by Luca Guadagnino and released in 2017. The plot of Call Me By Your Name goes something like this. In the Italian summer of 1983, 17-year-old Elio falls in love with his father's American research assistant, Oliver. And uh, as we have been doing, we'll do a quick spoiler-free section on this movie. So, Katie, should people see this movie? Yes, I think people should see this movie. Um, It's really nice, really good movie. It's got some really, really good performances in it. There were definitely some stylistic things that I wasn't a huge fan of, but um, overall I thought it was great. Hmm. Really kind of one of those movies that really transports you and um, I was happy to be swept up with it. Yeah, it's a really good one to watch in the middle of summer as well. I found like it just gave a really good sense of what it feels like, uh, not just of what it feels like to be on summer holidays, what it feels like to be young mm. and the summers stretch out forever and you're on in this beautiful place on holidays and you're falling in love for the first time. And it's just, it is really lovely. It definitely crept up on me for the first probably, I don't know, probably the first half of the film. I was kind of like, this is a bit slow. What's going on here? There's a point though, about halfway through where Army Hammer speaks Italian for the first time. And then I was completely and utterly won over it by it from that moment i like you i've got a couple of stylistic problems it feels a bit slow and a bit long at times but definitely worth catching it's obviously very zeitgeisty at the moment as well it is i didn't mind the beginning quite so much but only because i was sort of i don't know i was open to it being the way that it was pretty quickly like i was like oh this is going to take a while and we're going to have to sit through lots of quick cuts of these things <laughs> like mm. of setting up the scenery and all that sort of stuff and it's all you know lyrical and implied meaning and things like that so i was happy enough to go along with it but i definitely could have been in a mood where i wasn't up for it and i can see that being frustrating yeah um anyway we will go into spoilers now um because i almost started talking too much spoilers in that segment so if you haven't seen Call Me By Your Name and you uh, want to do that, uh, pause the podcast now and come back when you have. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm pretty tired and out of it today. and I don't feel like I have enough to say about this movie, which is because it's just really good for the most part. Like to me, I mean, the stylistic things didn't matter so much to me, I think, because I sort of accepted that that was the way they wanted to tell the story and everything kind of fit with that. Mm. all of it kind of fit together. The only times that it really jolted me was like there's a scene where Elio is sitting moping and chewing on the star of David <laughs> he's got, <laughs> necklace that he's got because he wants Oliver to come home where there's like a weird light wash over the screen. Oh, I have, yes, I have I notes. I didn't like that. And then later on the, the it, it goes into, um, the scene goes into, um, inverse colors to do flashbacks mm. from the night before and i was like ew no why mm. so those were the only bits that really kind of made me go and take me out of the movie i accepted that like there's a lot of like quick edits jump edits mm. that i think are sort of french new wavy i was gonna say um italian neorealist but yeah you're probably right i was thinking i was thinking breathless yeah but i was thinking not breathless breathless but the italian directors of the same era the 60s yeah. 60s and italian films um there's a man, there's a, I can't remember the director's name, there's a movie called The Leopard, which I will now pause to look up because the director is very famous and the fact that I've forgotten him just says more about my memory than my education. Yeah, so. I was thinking like Godard, French 
Yeah, no, definitely them as well. But that that's I'm sure an, it's all of the, a piece of um, the same kind of. Yeah, you know it is. You're right. They're all it's all related. Oh, Lucino Visconti is the director. Wild I'm Reads. Is it of. Wild Reads? The movie. I think Wild Reads. It reminded me of. I think that's what it's called. Um, which is from the same kind of yeah, period. But Visconti, who also made um Death in Venice and okay among other things. But yeah, I I it definitely feels like Guadagnino has been very much influenced by earlier Italian and French cinema. And that's obviously the movie goes for that because it's this real multinational family. Like mom is French and Jewish and dad is American and Jewish, but they're also part Italian clearly. And it seems like. And French. Yeah. And and, well, it seems like. German. Well, she speaks, she speaks German, German as well. German. And I think he says there's German in the mix when he's explaining where they're yeah. from. But based on like. The actors, it seems like Elia's sort of mother tongue is French. His mother's mother tongue is French, and his father is more comfortable in English, but kind of slips into both. Right, but but it, then they also speak Italian all the time because mm. they're in Italy. But, but they are yes, two other Itali- two like the locals. But mm. then to their other it, friends like Maurizia, they always speak French, almost always speak French. Marzia, yeah, and then um, but then they have when they have friends over. Yeah, there's lots of languages. And I was of- so anyway. I was completely jealous of Elia's family. I would love to have those people as my parents. Yeah, the movie does – it. there's a s- certain level of pretension in the family and in the, like, the references that the movie's making and it's all very high art and high literature mm. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, but they're really – they're sort of permissive but also loving and yes. they're a bit – Very liberal. So, yeah. Lefty. So, if I talk about the bit where <laughs> – the bit where it first started to turn for me was obviously when Army Hammer stops to ask for a drink of they stop to ask for a drink of water and we hear Army Hammer speak Italian for the first time. Obviously that got me a little bit excited, but the bit where it really turned is when his father gave him a little speech about not being homophobic. You know, you're too old to um to not accept people for who they are. Just before the gay couple comes to dinner, when I was in the bathroom, yeah, it was probably the <laughs> highlight of the father son relationship. Um, I, I really but, had to pee. I held right. off for as long as I could. But anyway, there's so, so much water in this movie, <laughs> and I haven't been feeling well, mm. and I've been drinking loads and loads of water. Precisely. So it, I don't I, blame you. It was a very long movie. I also kind of need to go at this point, but I'm really glad I, I didn't. And I'm so I was so upset because I should have gone a little bit earlier than that. Like when when he was having sex with his girlfriend. Yeah, and I yeah. I was like, oh, I might miss something, and then I was like, oh no, but I want to be back by midnight <laughs> or like midnight movie time. Yeah, yeah. So I had to rush off. Then. But anyway, I'll, I'll I'll play it out for you because if, if you're listening, you'll definitely remember it. So they talk about you, and you heard this. Then talk about a couple coming for dinner, and he refers to them as Sunny and Cher. Mm. But what it emerges very quickly that they're actually a gay couple, and he mm. he meets them, and they're both dressed in like these really flamboyant suits. And he's supposed to have worn the shirt that they brought for him, and he isn't wearing it. And his father, like, is giving him a lecture, he's like come on, put it on, and he's, you know, being 17. Oh, Dad, I don't want you to already see me. Oh, that's no point. Mm-hmm. Um, and his father immediately picks up that he's uncomfortable around this couple uh, and he tells him off for calling them Sonny and Sherry. He's like, Mum does that. And he's like, basically, the main lo- – he gives this lovely little speech that starts along the lines of, you're too old to not accept people for who they are and mm-hmm. explains that it's um, it's bad behaviour. He'll play the piano when it, when I ask you to play the piano and you'll wear the damn shirt. Yeah, And it's a – really nice moment and when I finally sort of understood where his father, like the father-son relationship, and mo- the mother I got a bit earlier, she was sort of, the um, the actress is really good. She doesn't get a lot of lines but you can always see that she knows what's going on mm. and she's really aware of what's happening with her son. Mm. But she seems to want to, like it, at one point Elio says that she says they're subtle Jews or something like that where it's like 
She seems no, she, to want to hide anything that doesn't make Jewish. them fit in mm. with everybody else, whereas the dad's more accepting of that stuff. Well, he, um, he's also like I didn't don't know the actor, but he, Michael Stahlberg. He's um he's in everything at Stuhlberg. Stuhlberg. He's in everything at the moment. He's going to be in The Shape of Water, which we're seeing. Right, but he soon. he looks like every Jewish patriarch in an American movie you've ever seen. Right. To me, he looked like Robin Williams, and I couldn't stop seeing oh, it. Oh, but looked, he looks nothing like Robin Williams with no beard. He looks to me like um. He actually looks to me like Mandy Patinkin. I can see that too. Um, There's something about like his nose and his eyes because mm. that because the beard hides so much of his face that like it really reminded me of Robin Williams in like mm. um, Goodwill Hunting and stuff, yeah. and I couldn't unsee it for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, d- I definitely got Mandy Patinkin, but Mandy Patinkin in Homeland specifically, <laughs> where he is like the beardy, b- the bearded Jewish patriarch. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, I I'm sorry that I missed that, and I will definitely see this movie again. So I will probably catch that. On another viewing, but I did see there was a gay couple. Mm. Um, yeah, it's kind of a at that point is it's sort of when both both parents seem to realize what's going on at that point. Okay, and you sort of understand like this. I I, I just really liked the the whole fa- like the fact that the family is rich enough to have a holiday home in Italy. Firstly, that's why I want to be their child. But secondly, also like they have these interesting people come to visit, like not just grad students, but like. The the um the Italian couple that come to visit and just shout about politics <laughs> like the whole meal so much so and they, give Elio a nosebleed yeah no, Elio has a nosebleed <laughs> which you know allows that for was a nice romantic scene. moment I liked yeah. that scene I want to talk about Timothy Chalamet uh, Timothy Chalamet Timothy Chalamet a little bit I have so much trouble with that and how good he was but um I feel like like people are talking about Timothy Chalamet and and Michael Stuhlbarg for awards and things. Mm. I thought Army Hammer was really good. He was. Um, and what Army Hammer was really, really good at was switching between this public persona and a private persona and the, showing the struggle that he had with those things. Mm. I think this movie could be very um, oblique at times and like not allow you into the headspace of the characters. Mm. And a lot of that had to be in performance. And I think Army Hammer did a really good clear job of, of delineating those things and showing where this character was coming from and then every, every so often all his guards drop or, and he you know changes mm. and you see that for the first time when he's um dancing mm. which is the moment that the movie really turned around for me and that's for a couple of reasons one of them is um the movie knows that it's a big turning point and the camera still so this is a very kind of floaty handheld camera movie mm. um it's mostly longer shots. We don't have a lot of close-ups at the beginning, right? And it's very quick edits and quick cuts and you're mm. not – it doesn't allow you to get comfortable in anything. And then when um, Army Hammer is dancing and Elio watches him, Elio leans forward and his, it's just a close-up for a while mm. and we just watch his face for a while. And this happens in, I think, about three or four major moments in the movie. And that was like the moment that we started to understand them as characters – rather than just, you know, the glimpses that we've seen of them so far. And I really liked that moment. Yes. And that's the first time that that Oliver kind of lets his guard down and Elio gets let in. Mm. And then Elio enters the scene and blocks him. And I I really liked the blocking (laughs) in this movie. And the like, I actually thought it was shot really, really cleverly and really well. It plays around with focus really well. But not in a way that's like, most of the time it doesn't draw attention to itself in those things. But it's really clever and any like film nerd will see that it's really clever in the blocking, like the way that Elio will usually be in the front of the screen and Oliver's at the back of the screen. And then when Oliver is the focus, Elio comes in and steals it a lot um, is really yeah. interesting. 
Yeah, very much. It's actually interesting how they try to echo the blocking of Elio has this girl he sort of starts sleeping with, having a bit of a thing with, and they try it. They echo the blocking between the two of them with him and Army Hammer, and and Mm. like he tries to tries to do what he thinks his girlfriend did to him and it doesn't work quite as well and they have mm. to work out how to move together and they finally work that out when they're both drunk in the streets on holiday and they find they dance around together and they actually finally non-awkwardly sort of work out how to hug one another and how to be together it's kind of cute yeah i mean some of the awkward stuff earlier is less it's more because the of the guards being up and things like that yes, i think yes um and nerves and that sort of stuff right and by that point the, that's all kind of dropped and they yeah and, and obviously there's alcohol but there's involved. that bit where when elio starts crying and that kind of like mm. he unawkwards <laughs> pretty quickly in that yeah once like something happens like i don't know i i like that those little bits i do wish that the i know it's on purpose and i know it fits in with everything but i wish that just been one conversation where people just said what they meant nah <laughs> <laughs> I, and the th- I, th- I think i said the same thing when we watched carol and like, I'm almost positive, like, because they never talk to each other about anything. I said that when we watched it because it frustrated me when we watched it. Well, see, I find that really interesting because it's it speaks, I think, to a very queer experience of not knowing who is safe, not knowing yes. what is safe. But, but but then once they are safe, they never talk to each other about. Like, there's never a conversation that is just like, and and they when they do talk about it, still oblique, like the the um, is it better to speak or to die and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I think. In this movie, it does come from a level of, like, that kind of artsy pretension. Intellectual. Intellectual. Like, that's where this movie is coming from and that's who all the characters are. And so there's got this level of intellectualism where they don't actually talk about anything. And I find that frustrating just as a moviegoer because I would like that release, like the emotional release of, of them just actually having a conversation. And I get frustrated with characters who won't ever actually say anything. I, I, I don't know. See, I kind of liked that they spoke in code, but they understood one another and we understood as well. I understood some of the time. Some of the time I didn't know what they were going on about, to be honest. But yeah, that's but not it the was, point. But it soon I became the f- obvious to the audience, like through what they did rather yes, than what they said. I, I get that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a problem with the movie. It's a, like this is what I like in movies and it frustrates me when it's not there because that just – like having a bit where they could have even done it when they're drunk yeah you know there's just having a bit where they actually say hey i like you would be nice yeah there's no it just dances around everything and the parents can say it and everybody else can say it but there's no but they still kind of do it in all these roundabout oblique ways i don't Mm. think that's what i'm looking for but but yeah it, it just i'd like to see a conversation i mean they even have that sort of thing in brokeback mountain they just finally tell each other what they're thinking yeah that well that's the big i wish i knew how to quit you see right because and that's so quotable because it's so relatable yeah. right there's nothing in this movie that i can go oh that's so quotable because it's so relatable because mm. <laughs> it's like there's nothing in it that's universally relatable everything is in kind of code and shadows and mm. that sort of stuff and it's just frustrating for me as a viewer with any of these movies but yeah i think that there's definitely a level of like having to do that in public because and having to do that with new people but surely there's a point at which they can just talk yeah i I'd, especially since there's that is it better to speak or die mo- like mm. theme yeah um i uh, see i wasn't so bothered by that because the acting was so good i mean particularly army hammer and timothy chalamet i feel like army hammer almost stepped up because he was working 
um, with Timothy Chalamet. I know that the age difference is such that actually Army Hammer's, you know, older and more experienced, but Timothy Chalamet is so, like, free in this mm-hmm. role and he's a couple of years older than 17. Like, he's not actually a teenager, He, which <laughs> I think I've When he about- shot this, though, because this, this has been around since – this has been finished since, like, last year, right? Right. So, he's now 22. He's now 22. If it came out when he was 21, he would have been, like, 20, just not a teenager when they shot it. Right. I would assume. True. But also, like, I don't know, he's kind of – Close enough to be te- look teenaged and, and mm. feel teenage, but I feel like he's also got enough maturity to kind of understand how to make tell you that the story of his teenageness through his body, mm. like the awkwardness of his movements. There's a scene where uh, Army Hammer comes in from a late night out, and he he's sitting at his desk, but he then quickly moves himself onto his bed, and he you sort of hear you can hear Army Hammer coming in, coming in, coming in, and you see his breathing quicken like in his mm. chest. It's so good. Mm. I'm just like this kid is, and um, he is very a very physical actor, and he just tells a lot with his body. And I think mm. Army Hammer is also quite good at that. Um, when we came out of the movie, I started impersonating Army Hammer, and he's like this giant Labrador with too many limbs, which is what he does for Oliver as well. Like mm. he's just sort of he's slightly older, but he's still in an awkward uh, phase of life, and he's still young enough to kind of be falling in love really for the first time. Yeah, and I think, well, it's part of his awkwardness, again, I think a lot of that is, like, showing the guardedness and mm. and that sort of stuff. He's not, like, when he's – he's more awkward when his guard is down um, mm. and less, like, you know, he, he's got a very practiced um, – uh, Yeah, and I think Fake he, confidence. Right, and he is – he he's had to spend slightly longer in the closet and he has mm. to be more closeted because he doesn't have these amazing parents who, yeah. uh, who don't – aren't bothered by this at all. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking about that scene where he's like, we can't talk about that. And I was like, what? You didn't even talk about it in the first place. Sorry. <laughs> I just Because I was like, what is he referring to? Because I just assumed he was referring to the fact that he's a virgin and that he's trying to hit on him. That seemed like what it was coming to to me. But then it seemed like – I think it also had the kind of like – the fact that he was his father's student and he was like ethically had ethical issues as well. But, but there's, see, none of that is – there's nothing in it that sort of – it could be that or it could just be that he doesn't want to be gay or it could just be – like there's they never discuss it. There's never any kind of mm, but they do. closure on that stuff. And it's – yeah, I know. It's the style of the movie and stuff. Well, but, but, no, but there no... is closure. They do end up getting together. Yes, the, but that's not what I'm – don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, there's never any closure on like what was on their emotional states at the beginning of it, or any like. I'd just like to know. I'm not making a lot of sense, but yeah, I, that I, was I, how I'm, I was feeling when I was watching that stuff. I was like, I wish you guys would just tell me what. Yeah, see, on. I just was so I was actually I'm that so was tired. that was the transporting bit for me. That feeling of first falling in love when you're just completely stupid, but also it's amazing and the best feeling in the whole world, and that. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't need to be told. Okay, you tell. I wasn't from thinking Hallie. about falling in love. I was thinking about like what the, what the um situation was, what the political situation and the societal situation and oh. those sorts of things that were keeping these two apart. I just like to have a little more insight into that stuff than. It would like, have been interesting because you were saying um we neither of us have read the book, but you know somebody who has. And they had a pre-existing relationship before they actually they were hooked friends, up. They were yeah. friends, and that then I, I imagine you would have got you would get more of that in the book. That yeah. detail. I didn't actually care about that. I was too excited and too swept up in the whole like summer romance <laughs> well, aspect. Yeah, I mean, this this is 
literally the same problem I had with Carol <laughs> for a lot of it. Like mm. that, that kind of the frustration of never talking about it, never getting the sense of what's outside of just like the flirting and the, you know, falling in love mm. thing. Because I, I mean, I do enjoy all that stuff, but like it's not as inherently distracting or transporting i'd like to see more of because i was still thinking about a lot of things while i was watching it mm. i don't think i'm explaining myself well and i <laughs> yeah okay don't know how to do it better that's all right i i also kind of like find this movie hard to talk much about like it's it's beautiful and it's transporting and it's a really great you know coming of age summer romance movie mm. and it's a great you know game movie but I, well, it still ends sadly, like all of them do. Well, It'd be yeah. nice if they just got together in the end once in a while. Uh, I know, right? Why do they never ride off into the sunset? It would have been nice, actually, or if at least Elio had a new boyfriend. Like I know they've got to resolve that they wanted to resolve it, but yeah, having some kind of you could have either ended it as they get on the bus and drive off for a weekend together, but you know that he's leaving after that, so that doesn't really work but yeah you it would have been really I feel like nice you'd miss out on a lot from that right and i think the nicer way to do it would be like you know the following summer i mean i i like i did like that the whole coming back in the winter that was an interesting conceit but you come back the next summer and you know his heart's been broken and he's had the phone call maybe you can even show the phone call happening in the winter and he's heartbroken but you kind of show him come back the next summer and like you see marcia and she's like hi and then then like some other adonis appears and mm. you can kind of see that this is headed for something more serious mm. yeah but then it'd be more like a cycle of but I assume, behavior rather so than again i have a, again. it's sort of it's autobiographical right the novel or not i, mean, I don't know i, don't know. I know that the that novel up. has a much more depressing ending right like i think it's elio stays um spoiling for the novel as well guys but i believe it's something like elio stays miserable forever and never gets together with anybody else and is just sad the rest of his life wow because books are like that mm. so oh, at least it's not that depressing that is sad because i really like the talk that his father has with him yeah at the end where he talks about a broken heart and you know how you really have to sort of feel your way through these feelings and re recognize that this was something special mm. and acknowledge that and acknowledge what was great and acknowledge the grief at an ending um, yeah i thought that was a really good bit of parenting really yes and also, Elio doesn't deserve that. He didn't do anything to deserve that. No. It's awful. Um, no. But, um, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I feel like Elio is an easier character than Oliver. Um, Absolutely. Elio is a character that we've seen many, many times before, is usually a girl, but isn't in this one. Mm. But, you know, like that summer pining, like falling in love, you know, all of the yeah, feelings just, and all of those yeah, things. Yeah, first romance kind of. First romance kind of thing. Like the first masturbation scene, I'm like, oh, we're at the inevitable masturbation scene already. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is usually a boy, and, but they don't show female masturbation movies. But anyway. With some um, exceptional exceptions. Yes. Um, but Stoker is the only one I could think of. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, although I, I suspect uh, have this movie's kind of been floating around in the – internet for a while and i suspect the scene that everyone will talk about is that is not the first masturbation scene but the peach <laughs> masturbation scene which both you and i were sitting there going 
he must be so sticky. <laughs> he still hasn't washed his hands. He's got like, oh yeah, there was this time when one of them goes to the toilet. And do just, both of them do it? Yes. They both and, go to the toilet and don't, don't wash their hands and then there's romantic scenes afterwards and I'm like, go wash your hands. Yeah. And then, then he's eat, first he like Terrible just hygiene. eats a peach on his, on his gross attic bed and then, then yeah, does something else with a peach. But he must be so sticky, like sticky in so many places. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sequel it to American really, Pie. It, it, it was really distracting. Like, I I totally get what they're doing and it totally makes sense. And also, like, all the stupid stuff you do when you're a teenager and you're utterly, completely blinded by horniness. I Believe me, I get that. But also, it was really distracting. Like, he must be so sticky. And at 17, looking at a linoleum makes him want to have sex. <laughs> yes. I thought of that quote so many times. There's, there's a bit where Army Hammer says, oh, you're hard again. And I'm like, yeah, yeah like, 17. Like after going down in for like three seconds. Yeah. But yeah, um, the peach thing and like, uh, yeah, it's only distracting for us. <laughs> but also he kisses, um, Oliver kisses Elio after he threw up. And I was like, oh, I'm going to kiss you, vomit mouth. No, but he, but also he I was um, like, has a drink before they go to a fountain. He washes out his mouth. and then I thought they, he puked in the fountain. No, no, he went to the fountain. That was a, he washed his mouth out, I thought. It was very hard. They're very long shots. They are. They are. <laughs> it's hard for me to tell. I thought he was throwing up in the fountain. So Right, right. Even if he washed his mouth out, he still just threw up. <laughs> Yes. Just yes. kind of nasty. <laughs> anyway, they had very poor, poor hygiene practices in this movie <laughs> and it was distracting for me. Yeah, that's not the point. It wasn't distracting enough that it made the movie bad. But yeah, it yeah, it's a movie that you kind of have to experience rather than just watch. And you can like analyze all of those influences. The soundtrack was quite, it was quite overbearing, but like it didn't distract me from the movie. Mm, and it also did some like interesting stuff and it obviously has some, um, uh, Elio is interested in in classical music, so it kind of uses classical music very well, mm. and lots of mucking about with the diegesis and non-diegesis yes. of him playing, or and what sounds like him playing, but it's not actually him playing. And then well, it, there's a scene where like there's the music playing in the background, and then it really suddenly stops and cuts to them on bikes riding through mm. the grass, getting to their secret spot. It does that for other things too, narration, like voiceover of letters, like that sort of thing will often come in and cut out as well it's definitely playing and i think it's again like the french new wave thing of drawing your attention to the fact that it's cinema happens it, quite yeah. a few times and it also it, yeah, yeah, or italian near really right and it, they even have a they reference brunwell who clearly had just died at this time mm. and like other other things like there's a bit where after the nosebleed where um oliver gives Elio a foot rub and i start i immediately thought of pulp fiction and about oh. what a foot rub means <laughs> I just thought it was cute. It was cute. But it was also, I also, in my head, because that is filed away and part of my brain was like, see, foot rub is an incredibly intimate act. Yes. Well, especially when you kiss their feet afterwards. Right. That but then, well, then that was, yeah, then that, that, that was, of course, the case. But yeah, it is very, um, very cinematic. Like that, yeah, the bit with the negative, like using the negative thing, it's really, it was kind of weird and annoying, honestly, that yes, when they did that. I didn't but, like that. Um, but most of the time it was it was fine. Inverted colours. Yeah, yeah. And, and the same with that bright light thing. That was just annoying. And I, I thought something was wrong with the cinema. Right. And I was also thinking, like, this is – you should put a warning on this for people who've got, like, eye problems or epilepsy because mm. it's just flashing at you, which it doesn't do for the rest of the, the film at all. But Yeah, that was – I. That, I think that was that kind of like drawing your attention to the fact that it's cinema sort yeah. of stuff. And I'm like, you don't need to do that with this yeah, movie. Please don't like, do that. And and I assume the bit about with the negatives is like, oh, it's burned on my brain like a negative. Oh. <laughs> I, I assume that's what it was about. 
like he, he's saving it, saving it in your um, mental reel of pictures that I don't have. Me- mental reel, <laughs> highlights reel, um, yeah. which I'm sure we all have. <laughs> no, I mean, I literally don't have it, um, but oh. uh, but that, that was the, the vibe that I got off that. But it also was quite um, jarring. Yeah, and, and took you out of it a bit. Whereas other things like where the camera goes all fuzzy and out of focus when he's drunk and they're kissing and dancing in the street. Yeah, that was cute. That was cute. That doesn't see that's fine because that shows the. I mean, that's more like immersive and showing the yeah was, mental oh, state oh, rather than the the. the, the I, that's why I said it was great. Was yeah, that's I um, really liked that. I I know some people would be like oh, that's pretentious, but it felt really good because it really you you it that's that's what I remember this movie being an immersive experience. Yeah. We talk about that. Yeah, which is why it's strange when it does those things to pull you out of it. Mm. I'm just now thinking about all the things I may have missed in movies because they're references to visual things that I don't understand. But anyway. Because um, uh, you, you, you don't have like visual imagination or yeah. visual brain capacity. Oh, well. Yeah. Because of I, my I'm, aphantasia. But I, I, I'm just, just guessing that because like I, I assume like There's most other- non-asexual people I keep a sex highlights real in my brain because why wouldn't you but like you know there's also bits and of the movie where like there's things like there's they go to the secret spot and they're riding and they're side by side but once they leave it after oliver's rebuked delio a couple mm-hmm. of times they're like trying to take over from each other oh, yeah yeah tri- I, riding in oh, front yes. and behind uh, there's some really interesting like crossover between what like masculine sort of competitive behaviours and mm. the way boys like who are friends or brothers behave with one another and the way that that's used with these two, like the wrestling and the that kind of, you know, having a r- racing on the bike. And even even when they go to that that special spot, the way Elio takes Oliver up, the, the, those two names are like the opposite of one another, Elio and Oliver. They're like almost, they're sort of inverse of each other. They're um, complementary. They are very complementary, but when Ilario takes Oliver up, they're like, oh, you can see Oliver gets puffed because this is a big hill and he's been smoking it since he's been in Italy. And you, that there's even that competitiveness there of him trying to like, let's get up this hill. But there's that, there's that, there's um, that. They, they go walking in the mountains as well later on. The first time that Oliver ever seems to struggle with anything is just after he and Elio have their first romantic kind of, like just after the scene in the square. Mm. Um, and then we first, see, we see Oliver puffing and, and like, looking like he's out of place for the first time. That's also the first time we see him smoke too. Yeah. After um, that. So it's this kind of like what Elio's doing to him is represented thematically and visually rather than very in clever. the dialogue and stuff, which, yeah, it is very clever. It's all great. But um, it's the kind of thing you need to kind of be looking for or it just washes over you and you mm. kind of inherently understand it. But a lot of it I saw because I was looking for it and thinking about it. Yeah, I, th- I just – I think the movie – I'm I'm a bit frustrated the bits where it took me out because I thought it was so cleverly shot for the most part. Yeah. That bit when the train goes away too and it's just running down beside him and there's all that space to the oh, other side. Man. Oh, so good. Yeah, and it's also shot like – so nicely. Yeah, but it's also like a bit of a classic cinema shot, you know, of your love going off to war on the train kind it of It is, thing. but it's framed just slightly off-centre so mm. that it's like all the spaces to his left, like back home and everything, and the there's only a little bit of space on his right. And it's mm. taking Oliver away from him. Mm. It, it does like to shoot people in that sort of, I want to say downstage right, like front right 
the b- bottom of the screen kind of split. It often puts mm. the person you're focusing on right down there, which is a bit like the photographic rule of thirds. Like he's in the you know bottom sixth of the frame, yeah, because that's how they shoot him on the phone at Christmas. Mm. And it's also Isn't that how and it's, it was like the only time that this movie looks like it's set in the eighties, apart from that once dance part, one dance party is when Elio comes home well, in that outfit. See, I was actually interested. No, the, see, the costuming I think is it was actually done well. Firstly, Oliver has a very distinctive style and it's very American mm. and an East Coast and wealthy, which is obviously Army Hammer and also this, this yeah. student and with, you know, his like oversized button-down shirts and his oversized khaki pants and khaki shorts, his uh, Converse sneakers mm. and all that kind of stuff. And Elio has like a couple of band T-shirts that he gets around in. He's a Talking Heads T-shirt at one point. Yeah, but see, but- this is the thing. It could be set at any time after the 80s in all those things. Right, because but he the dresses talking- like a – he and um, Marzia and stuff dress like European kids of, of the 80s. Like mm-hmm. they actually dress like Italians or French, like well-to-do Italian and French kids of that era, meaning that they, they actually look a lot better than a lot of like, you know, Americans or Australians did in the 80s because it's not quite so extreme. But, there were, yeah, it was, they were still very stylish. Like it was very much the stylish 80s. Mm. outfits but it was also it just was very like even his mother's hair there was not a I think in even in, in summer you know it's because, partly because it's summer and everybody's not wearing very much god mm. they're just allergic to shirts in this movie oh um, no <laughs> oh it's so true, sad right? like <laughs> elio is shirtless a lot yeah he um is. but the way that like that that could just be any time really yeah and it, it, a it, lot of those fashions are back now you, and so well, that doesn't help yeah like they there are only a couple of indications to say this is 1983 and it doesn't have to be 1983. No. It could very easily not be. I mean, you, you'd change a few things, like you'd change, you know, phones or something. But, I mean, people are still going on holidays and spending all day at the pool and sneaking off and having sex. You you could set that now. You could easily update the setting to now. I, I It's kind of nice that it's in the 80s just because there's certain little, I, I think, there's some little quirks that the filmmaker quite enjoys, like the old using the old props, and you also have things like there's you know type physical typed pages, and they're making catalog using card catalogs and you know, rotary phones. And I things. guarantee you, all of that stuff could still be in a movie that's set now that's just got a really retro aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I watched it follows, but yeah. yeah, it means they don't have cell phones and things like that. As right, well, which right. is a very convenient thing for movies these days. But um, it's mm. also like. The social situation is completely different now, which is why I thought it would be interesting to explore that a little bit more in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, yeah, and and you're right. Cause this because this is like the height of the AIDS panic. Right, and, and cl- yeah, and that was interesting to me as well. Like these these parents know that their son's having sex with this guy and they're fine with that and that's fine. But, I'm, but there's no one ever talks to him about safe sex at any point. No. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's early in the AIDS panic, but it was definitely known, and especially known in the gay community at that point, and mm. people would have known about it. Um, so there's not, no one ever says anything about that. But there's also, like, I think it's all probably implied rather than – but they sort of – they have exchanges in public and then sort of move into more private spaces to actually touch one another or kiss or Which is why it's like so that. surprising that at one point Oliver just says in the middle of the square, I'm really glad we slept together yeah, with people he's, all he's around. standing in the doorway of the news agent. And that to me was really interesting because, like, nobody hears him, nobody overhears him. There's no kind of – there's no furtiveness about that. Even though he, can't, you can tell that he's closeted, and you can tell that he is feeling awkward about this, he's really like relaxed about that at that point. Well, see, I saw that. That's, the, I mean, that's the only time that anybody says anything of substance to another person. Oh, and then they have a little conversation later where he's like, "I was trying to tell you that I liked you. I would have liked to have had that conversation, but just very clear about what was going on." Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, 
he, I saw that as like Elio wasn't sure if, still wasn't sure if Oliver liked him and Oliver's trying to make it very clear mm. publicly that he does like him. Right. It is. But, but if, it's if still you do want to get in that sort of social stuff, I, I think. Um, he he yeah. could have at least said like, I'm glad last night happened or something like that yeah. so that it's not quite as like, you know, public. Yeah. Um, so we just, yeah, just why that, all that stuff is interesting. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think that was him trying to say like, but I do like you and I like our relationship and I, mm. well, and I'm not ashamed of you and things like that. But again, without saying that stuff. But yeah, the, I, that's the thing, those scenes when they do talk, the one where they were sitting on the wall and they were talking, I was like, can we have more? Oh, it's done. Yeah, that was a lovely scene. Actually. I know. It was, and so I was, cute. it was so cute. And I was like, oh, I'm really like, oh, bye. Mm. And it's just, I know that's the style of the movie, but. Right. But yeah, it is. It's nice. And that's like a nice, like a relationship milestone as well, where you get to the point where you're comfortable enough with one another to tell each other all that sort of stuff. It's important that we have that scene. Yeah. Anyway, can we rate the movie? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to go with three and a half. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. I'm going to go with four and a half. <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah. I, I'm actually genuinely surprised. I liked that you it. you went but- that low. I like I I liked it, but and it felt it felt very atmospheric, and it did what it was set out to do quite well. But I I did also find myself looking at my watch a lot. Oh, I didn't, and I literally was like, oh, I can't go to the bathroom, mommy. I want to keep watching. So yeah, I and it really it, it really more. did only pick up for me in the second half. Okay. Um. So yeah, no, I'm I'm going to stick with three and a half, which I know is what I gave Last Jedi, which I kind of didn't like either, but. I kind of didn't like, whereas this is one I kind of liked and I'm giving it three and a half, but that's sort of where I landed. And then if you average this out, it's about four stars, which seems about right to me. I think I may have had slightly too high expectations going in. So many people are like, this is the film of the year. This is amazing. This is going to win Best Picture. And I think I, I may have like overshot. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, I had the high expectations, but I think I also kind of knew what kind of, what sort of movie I was getting into. Mm. Like I kind of thought it would be, you know, mm. I mean, it's it. There's two Sufjan Stevens songs credited in the opening credits. I was yep. like, I think I know what we're getting into here. So I was a little better prepared for the style of movie, maybe. Yeah. And also, I've he- been hearing about this movie for a year. Like, I swear, it's just part of my consciousness that this. Yeah, but it's re- just like surprising year- to me that it's taken this long to get out. But a year ago, we'd been hearing for ages about Moonlight and how amazing it was, and that absolutely lived up to expectations yeah i um and then the, i think i thought that's what i was getting in for and oh. i i didn't it didn't quite go that way but that's that's okay it's fine it just yeah yeah it was the two sufian stevens songs <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh okay i knew about the sufian stevens songs because because twitter's full of that twitter's twitter has been full of army hammer for several months okay and, yeah so anyway um yeah yeah so i should wrap cool. up Cool. <laughs> thank you very much for watching watching <laughs> okay Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver String. (laughs) Thank you for listening. My turn. Thank you for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to see our show notes, please go to our website, um, www.silverscreenqueens.com. And we are on Twitter at screen underscore queens and Tumblr at um, silver screen. Wait, which way do you around? Tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.